Hello and welcome to an unexpected podcast. My name is Tim and with me as always, we have Matt and Rainier and Evan as well. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be going over a list by Armando and we're going to go over the profiles for the new Dale models and we're going to be going over the FAQ that came out as well. So we'll do the list review first. So I will bring that over to Rainier to go over. And before Rainier actually goes over the list here, I, I, I want to point out that um, Tim looked at Armando and how he spelled his name at the top. He goes, how is this pronounced? I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and then I was like, he spelled it phonetically, just like we asked him to. Exactly. <laughs> it's pronounced exactly. Armando. Thanks, Even Armando. when you spoon feed it. it to me, I can't get it. <laughs> you, everybody, you know what? Just, just go with the name Tim. I get that one. It makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm Tim. Yeah, you're, you're going to pronounce we have a it like list by Mandalorian Tim. or something. <laughs> we have a list by Tim 56 <laughs> episodes in a row. <laughs> anyway, th- thanks, Armando, for doing exactly what we asked you to, even if it didn't have the intended effect. <laughs> All right, Rainier, go ahead. Okay, so I see. So we have Armando from France. He says in two weeks, I'll go to the most important. Actually, he's going to the tournament in France. I'm not sure if he is French, but he says he has. he's going to the most important and his first tournament in France. 800 points, approximately 50 to 80 players, a two-day event with six games. So that right off the bat is probably going to be competitive. Um, I wonder if it's the uh, – he, he likes playing – he, yeah, he likes, what is this, Isengard, and he wants our advice. So his first warband is Saruman with horse, with Grim Wormtongue, four Urukai warrior with shield, four Urukai warrior with pike, four Urukai warrior with crossbow, one warg rider with shield and throwing spears, and one Crabane. Second warband is Lurtz with shield, with a similar makeup, four Urukai warrior with shield, four Urukai warrior with pike. Oh, there's a banner, one Urukai warrior with banner and pike, three Urukai warrior with crossbow, and one war rider with shield. And last, his third warband is Ugluk, four Urukai warrior with shield, four Urukai warrior with pike, and three Urukai warrior with crossbows. So he has a lot of text in the bottom talking about his makeup of the warbands. I'm just going to skim over it real fast for the sake of time. Uh, Armando says in his first warband, he's thinking of should he take Grima or should he not Could he use those points in some other place um, his second war band he likes the diversity of the makeup of it how they're shooting of course alerts with his deployment special abilities and just the diversity of the the war band makeup and then on the last war, war band he says he although uh, Gurov would be good he wants to keep it I guess pure and Isengard and he's wondering if Ugluk is a good decision or if he should switch to Vrasku or Maher. So I guess right off the bat, I like Saruman and Lurtz. Ugluk's good for strike, but I probably personally would prefer Vrasku um, because he could actually like put a little punch with heroic accuracy and all the crossbows. And then I have a question. Are the crossbows maxed out for this? No. Does anyone do the math? Uh, yeah, they're no. not. So There's- yeah. 42 models um there's four heroes so 38 you're looking at 13 crossbows and he only has 10 so he's three down okay so he's three down and he has 42 models total nine might and yeah i don't know like i guess right off the bat 42 models is good at probably your average at 800 with saruman 
alerts and so forth. Uh, I would probably just right off the bat prefer a little more shielded Urukai to stop them from dying so fast. Of course, 42 is good, but I'm all like, if it's not 60, it's not going to work. <laughs> so, so, yeah, basically, I would just, I like Frasku's role a little more for the army. I know Ugluck can have strike, but against an 800 point army, if it's competitive, you're going to see a lot of big boys that if you strike, you're going to probably die from them anyways, and you can't kill them like Zaboromir or Aragorn. So that's why I like Vrasky a little more, um, dehorsing things, shooting things, objective. He's a wonderful objective holder because he has like a crossbow, uh, three might. So yeah, that's what I like. I also like my idea when it comes to Urukai adding shield because it gives a little more of that D6, especially at... 800 points with only 42 42 models is good with saruman and like with your question on grim warm tongue i would keep him he's wonderful so i'm gonna pose this to evan and matt are you guys sold on always including saruman and isengard or do you think that maybe it's better to keep him in there what are your thoughts on saruman you want to go uh, first evan, yeah sure go i'll first, go evan. Um, so I guess my opinion on Saruman uh, is very, very mixed. Uh, I guess I'll say that first. At lower points, I don't think he has a place in Isengard. I think 800 points, maybe 700 if you're very adventurous, uh, I think is the minimum to take him. Wizards aren't that great, to be totally honest, in this edition. Uh, their whole uh, Lich Pin in the last edition was Sorcerer's Blast, and that has been completely uh, neutered uh, in many respects. Uh, he still does his job, though. Uh, he's good at taking out heroes. He's good at all those things that uh, most casters can do. He can transfix. He can knock over some cavalry guys. He does his job. Uh, I think the main reason to take him, though, is Grima which is why I'm definitely in the Rainier camp of take Grima. He's 25 points. Uh, even if for some reason you don't have, you don't get that might special rule, say he dies very early on or he's isolated, he still does stuff. Uh, you can deploy him on an objective and just sort of sit him there and be really annoying. Uh, you can basically get like an automatic lead in Reconnoiter where you, as you run him on, you immediately run him back off and you get the three points, and now your opponent is super hard-pressed to win against you. Um, there's a lot of other objective scenarios that he's really good at. He just has so much utility for such low points that I think if you're taking Saruman, you should probably always be taking uh, Grima. Uh, just to put some reinforcement on... Rainier's argument of Ugluck versus Verascu. Let's first. Can I can I make a quick oh. comment on that too, oh, Evan, to kind of agree with yeah. you? Like I think also at a competitive European tournament, you're going to see a lot of death bubbles of like high might might death bubbles with lots of synergies. Lady of the Light, like Zaboromir, these different like things like that in a little place. Grima's really going to screw that over because uh, they're going to have to double spend might. Sorry for interrupting, Devin, but like I, I agree with you. Uh, that's absolutely true. Good point. So just to do the math on Ugluck versus Verascu really quickly, uh, exact same combat profile. So the differences are 
Ugluck has Heroic Strike and Heroic Strength, uh, and he has the Headtaker special rule. Vrasku has a Crossbow and Heroic Accuracy and the Expert Shot special rule, and they both have Heroic March. Uh, Headtaker is almost completely useless, uh, generally in Isengard, but especially in this list, because Saruman already has a 12-inch Standfast that affects heroes. So you really don't need head taker at all. So all you're getting with Ugluck is the heroic strike, which can be valuable sometimes, but I'd argue is less so than the shoot value of three up crossbow that can shoot twice. So I'd say Verasku, uh, even if you think it's somewhat redundant with Saruman being able to take out heroes too, uh, Vrasku can do so much damage from range that I think he's probably the better choice. All right. So let's see. I am going to... So there's three basic questions here. The questions are Saruman, Grima, and um, Vrasku. Basically, Saruman, Grima, and Vrasku. Um, I am going to agree with everybody else on one point, and then I'm going to disagree with the other two folks on another point. Um, so let's start with the point I agree on, and that's Grima. Yeah, Grima's a no-brainer. Um, if you're taking Saruman you, at 800 points, you should definitely take Grima for all the reasons stated. Um, he, he becomes, with some armies, he becomes an awful problem to deal with because you basically can't kill him. But he's always a problem to deal with, and he's almost always a, uh, worth his points. Um, just kind of think about whether you're going to be deploying Grima with the opposing warband or with your own warband. Um, when you deploy him, there are certain tactical situations when you want to do each one. In particular, situations where there are you know kind of a, either objective scenarios or scenarios where Grima can grab stuff. Um, and particularly in armies that can't kill him because they don't have magic, uh, you may want to think of deploying him um, with your opponent's warband, um, recognizing that you know the other guy may dedicate three or four guys to kind of wall Grima in. But remember, you've got Saruman to help him escape with his 18-inch uh, compels. Um, sometimes it's worth doing. Or alternatively, you can put him behind your battle line, but then, of course, he can be killed. Uh, so just think about which way you want to do him, but he's always worth the points. So Grima, I agree with everybody on, um, on Saruman. Uh, I think I, I agree with Evan, although I am, you know, kind of, I, I I'm more enthusiastic about Saruman at 800 points. I agree. He's not worth it at, in a lower points game at 800 points. If I'm playing Isengard, I'm playing Saruman and, I'm actually probably playing a list that looks very much like this one. This is the list that is very close to what I take. And I mean, Saruman's frankly just, he's just, he, he makes this list fun to play with as opposed to a list that's just a bunch of um, brown guys that you're going to be pushing around the board and rolling dice when they get into combat or rolling, you know, dice to hit with crossbows. Um, Saruman is the guy who makes this list fun. Because he can uh, he can do things like pull enemy heroes out from that the protection of that blinding light where the crossbows can skewer him. Um, he's the guy who can transfix a critical hero so Lurts can strike up and kill him. 
Um, he's the guy who can do the nasty sorceress blast if somebody's left his uh, banner unprotected um, or a sorceress blast to knock the key hero off of his horse. Um, he's, he's the guy who, who makes this list tricksy, and I think it's much more fun to play with him. And I think, you know, it, it's going to take a little practice to kind of... Um, it, you're new at the game, so it's going to take some time before you can kind of use Saruman to his full potential. But until you practice with him for a while, you're never going to get to that point. So go ahead and practice with him and use this tournament as an opportunity to kind of take him and see what fun you can have with him. Um, all right. So the Verascu Uglug debate, uh, my thought when I saw this list is, aha, he didn't fall into the Verascu trap. Um, I have to say just because I play against this list, I think more than I play it. Every time I see Verascu on the table, I'm like, ooh, free hero. Um, and uh, he got by, every by time free I hero, Verascu, you mean like free hero to kill? Free hero to kill. He, he's, mm -hmm. he's easy meat. Um, and because he, because without the heroic strike, even when people try and hold him back, because you can't hold him back too far or else it's too many might that's out of the fray. Um, so he's got to be up somewhere near the front and you can usually get a, you get either a heroic combat into him or get somebody into him. And once you get a hero with strike into, uh, into Verascu, he's dead. Uh, and he often dies with his might, um, because he never had a, had a chance to use it. So I, I think, I think Verascu is kind of worth the points in a lower, um, point list where there aren't that many killy heroes on horses around but i think he is he's just a waste uh at 800 points where there's going to be blinding light in just about everybody's army and there's going to be a lot of heroes on horses um that are going to be fight six that are going to eat him alive um so i would definitely go with ugluck because ugluck is the other heroic striking threat and you know he, he that's what you want you want two heroic strikers at uh 800 points well let's let's good, use good that point. transition now uh sorry rainer if you have something quickly to say and then oh, I no, just transition. like as your dad was decapitating you and i <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I i like that in in the sense too and you bring up a good point too if this is his first tournament Vraskew needs a little finesse he's like got that like shooting hero syndrome where people hold them back and don't do anything with them but he's also fight five with like strength five door he has to get into combat he can kill stuff so i like that i kind of agree you in that sense too when i kind of like think about this being his first tournament and i also like how you said like have fun with it like view this as your first tournament not like six to where oh i gotta do good but each game take something you learn and apply it to the next game then take something you learn from there and apply it to the next game. That's what I did when my first tournament at Nova, like I just used it as like an opportunity to, to learn. So I think part of the reason why Rainier liked Verascu so much is because he's basically a Corsair captain on steroids. Like Say that is Evan. exactly <laughs> what he is. He's 65 points. So if you're taking a Corsair captain with crossbow, which you always are, uh, you don't really take any other option. He's 10 points more. You get plus one shoot value, plus one strength, plus one defense, plus one might points, and the ability to shoot twice. And all that for losing the throwing weapons, which you're not going to be getting. Broke accuracy, too. Yes, and heroic accuracy. Like, Lord accuracy. have mercy, like, 
So he is, he is a shooty guy and he will shoot guys and whether or not he will shoot guys is often dictated by the meta that you're situated in, depending on how much blinding light you have, Mm -hmm. which transitions us very nicely into the other question he asked about whether or not he should max his crossbows. And I think that is almost entirely dependent one on the meta and two with how, with what he wants out of the list. So he said that he wanted a lot of shields because he likes the defense six Isengard. Unfortunately, uh, now that their crossbowmen have lost the ability to function effectively with pikes, because if they take pikes, they get minus one in combat. Uh, They have to make trade-offs in order to make their army. They either have to sacrifice their shield wall portion by taking less shields. They could sacrifice their crossbow portion, which means that they have less crossbows, which obviously isn't that great. Or they could sacrifice on their pikes. And that means that they have less pikes, which means they'll have less opportunities to spear support people. And unfortunately, there is no really good way around this because, again, your crossbowmen can't take pikes. So you can't take all the shields you want. You can't take all the pikes you want. Or you can't take all the crossbows you want. So it's really down to player preference which you pick. And I guess that's sort of where we ask you, do you see a lot of blinding light? Um, Are those crossbows, are you able to use those crossbows in the majority of scenarios? Um, And if you don't see a lot of blinding light, and if there are a lot of scenarios where you can use crossbows, then max out your bow limit. If not, then I'd say take less. Just take a couple to sit on objectives, uh, shoot out a couple of spare people, who are maybe trying to flank you or something like that um, and focus on the shields and the pikes, make your battle line stronger. So, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. I think that's good advice. Um, maybe the one thing I would do to tweak this is maybe I would drop the throwing spear from the warg rider and, and take one of your Urukai warriors with shield and upgrade it to a crossbow. Um, but beyond that, um, my, f- I think my feeling is that, you know, you've got, you've got 10 crossbows in this list. I suspect that if 10 crossbows aren't enough, um, the, the number, you know, basically more won't help. At least the more you will be able to pack into a list that also has Saruman and Grima in it, aren't going to make a difference. I think you know, 10, ten's enough to put a credible shooting threat out there, um, to somebody who, uh, doesn't have blinding light if the guy does have blinding light, I don't think three or four more, yeah, three more crossbows probably aren't going to move the needle. Um, so that's uh, that's probably good enough. And 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 don't be afraid, by the way, uh, to start using your, you know, basically to put pikes behind crossbows, um, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's the difference between an Urukai warrior with a crossbow and an Urukai warrior with a shield is just one defense, and you know. Sometimes that's good enough if you got a pike or two behind them. Yeah, and and like I kind of like too how like your crossbows are distributed in the warband. I usually see a mega Vraski warband with crossbows and just destroys stuff. But I like that 
they're distributed. And I want to second Matt and saying like, yeah, like use the crossbows for combat. They're still strength four at fight four. But one thing before we forget, should he mount Grim or Wormtongue? Um, all right. So I guess pluses and minuses. Um, well, obviously one big minus is you've got a jury rig a figure. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's not terribly easy, especially given Grima's model. Um, unless you want to kind of go to the, the unreleased miniatures uh, version. Um, minus number two is if you put Grima on a horse, he actually becomes vulnerable to spells that he isn't vulnerable to. If, um, uh, if he's not on a horse and then minus number three is, you know, sometimes it's easier to get out of those trapping situations. If you have the smaller base, you know, obviously the big bonus of putting on the, on the horse is that he becomes harder to trap in other situations because he can outrun people. Um, you know, I'd have to say, cause it's, is it 10 points to put him on the horse? 10 points. Yeah. 10, 10 points. points. Yeah. I, I think if you have access to the figure, you might want to consider doing that um, and just dropping a Rakai. But I, I don't think it's something where you're like, you, you have to be in the position to say, ooh, I, I must go out and jury rig this figure because it's going to give me a decisive advantage. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Like, I'm, I'm curious. Let us know how you do with, with the list at the tournament and stuff. Like, I'm always curious, especially it's your first tournament. Like, let us know what you learned at the event and stuff and so forth. Like I'm super curious too about just the French, the French events in general. So, so before we start, I actually want to like shout out to Leon K for our first ring wraith episodes. He kind of ranked all of our um, rankings of the ring wraith in order of places where we put it. So I suggest that everybody kind of could check that out in his comments, Leon K uh, he kind of places like numer numerally, like how good we ranked them in order. Yeah, looks um, like Tim's back. I also want to. I also want to do a shout out, and that was to. And uh, I apologize. Um, I don't. I don't have this comment to hand, so I. I don't know who exactly said this, but somebody pointed out that there is an FAQ that states that. Uh, if you have a two-handed weapon and you cannot use the mounts, um, the, the mounts, you know, natural abilities or whatever to fight with the mount and, um, and avoid the minus one so that the, the Dwemer Lake, if mounted on a fell beast under that FAQ still gets a minus one, in which case thou should never put him on a fell beast. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, I strongly suspect that a, that FAQ was was not intended for, you know, folks on Felbeast or folks on Eagles or folks on Monsters. But with that said, the way it is written, um, having having parsed it out, looked at the definitions of cavalry and stuff like that, it certainly does cover them. So uh, I think um, I, I think we have to consign the the Dwimmer Lake on Felbeast uh, route to the dung heap. Um, because yeah, you don't want to put him on a fell beast and have him have a minus one in combat all the time. Okay, so just further proves that I am correct with him at number ten. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sorry, he's still not worse than the Knight of Empire. Okay, well I can see that. I suppose I can try to make a case for him, but I guess no. 
Yeah, um, no, I, I'm 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 willing to concede uh, number nine for him. Um, yeah, I'm willing although, to like switch him in the tainted. I mean, but I, like the Knight of Umbar deserves to like be retired. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say this: I have actually done a list with the Dwemerlank, not on a horse, not on a fell beast, and it was it was an amusing time. Um, so, which I, I don't think anyone who takes the Knight of Umbar will be able to say. I think. Anybody who takes the Knight of Umbar, whether on fell beast, horse, or on foot, will just come away tearing their hair out. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go over the three profile models that actually just released, I believe, yesterday or today. I'm not really sure which one. Um, but the first one we're going to release is the uh, Knight of Dale. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. So this is the profile that has just come out. So he is 11 points, which we were all kind of expecting him to be around 11 points. Uh, he's fight four, strength three, defense six, one attack, one wound, courage four, heavy armor, spear, sword, and shield. Uh, he can swap the spear for a banner. He I'm can not no sure. longer do so. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they changed the profile. I think that was a uh, typo for some reason. Sorry, oh, keep like going, Tim. During the day today, they changed the profile. Oh, okay. I apologize. Um, well, even if it was a thing, I'm not sure people would be swapping their spear for a banner, but maybe yeah, I, I don't think that was a change that would have affected anyone, but they did change it. <laughs> and of course, their special rule, which is why people will take them, is uh, the model gains a plus one to wound when someone charges them. So it makes an interesting game dynamic. Um, I'm going to go to Matt first. Any thoughts? Happy, not happy? Uh, yeah, so I guess I'm generally happy. I guess the, the first thing I would say is, um, yeah, uh, for those of depending on, on on when you're listening to this and which order of episodes you're listening in, um, we we actually did an episode where we kind of prefaced this based on the article that came out. So some of the things, if you if you end up listening to that, if you haven't listened to that yet, you may hear that later, and you may hear again some of the things I'm about to say now about the usefulness. Um, yeah, I think 11 points is probably about right for this guy. Um, and he ended up in, in the, in the episode where we kind of discussed the preview and what we supposed this guy would look like. He ended up looking like we supposed he would look. Uh, and I think he's, I think he is appropriately pointed, um, for somebody with this, uh, wall of blades rule. I mean, I think we were supposing he might have bodyguard and it turned out he didn't. I think that's fine. Um, I would certainly pay 11 points for this guy to put him at the front of the shield wall. Um, I do have to say, I think an opportunity was lost on a swallow of blades rule. I think a fun alternative um, would have been to allow this guy to get plus one to wound when spear supported and then also have the spear support also get plus one to wounds. So yeah, the, the, point I'm, the point I made before when I was talking about this is this is, this is a guy who uh, is, appears to be an attempt to make a, 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 you know, a Greek phalanx type thing. He's even got kind of the, the Greek-esque horsehair plume um, on the top of his uh, helmet, even though for those of you who are uh, uh, history, history, uh, nuts he's actually got a roman centurion's crosswise horsewear plume horsehair plume instead of the front to back one that you see on greek hoplites but you know his his armor is kind of very reminiscent of of greek hoplites even though his shield is wrong 
And I think that's what they're trying to go for was this kind of phalanx effects where you get this kind of wall of shields and spears where that somebody impales himself on when they charge. And, you know, I, I, I have no problem with this. I think it's going to be a fun figure to, to do. I think it's appropriately costed 11 points. Um, the only nit I have to pick with this is that I think this would have been more fun if uh, this wall of blades rule um, was gave you gave you a benefit only if you are multi-ranked and then gave you a bigger benefit. I think you know, to, to really make the phalanx idea of this come alive. So you were, it wasn't necessarily if you're support, you still had to be charged in your opinion, right? To get that. Yeah, you'd, you'd still have to be charged, but you wouldn't get this special rule unless you were spear supported. But if you okay. got a special rule, both you and the spear support would get it. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so, yeah I, th- I think these guys are extremely spammable, to be honest. Like, I think like Huskarl's horrible. <laughs> the, the Acolytes, maybe you can add a few or like a bit, but these guys... I'm not going to name any names. <clears throat> Rob Crom. Somebody ordered 30 of them. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't order 30. I, I ordered nine, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to maybe getting more. <laughs> yeah. Like I, th- I think these guys are like really good, especially we're going to go over the heroes mm-hmm. and the heroes aren't that expensive either too. Like well, that's these, what I was gonna a say. lot of these guys in, we're going to go over the hero of legend hero of valor for the next two heroes. We're going to talk about, I don't know, just this whole army gives me a good version of Corsair's vibe, like a ton of like elite, semi-elite troops, but you can like spam out like around 50 to 60. Now, I, one question I want to pose to you guys real quick. Um, do you find, because I know Rainier, you said they're spammable, and I know that we had talked on one of the episodes about how we think there'll be a front rank kind of run, and you probably won't see a back rank, but maybe people will do that. Um do you think that we'll end up seeing a third bows still, knowing that their special rule is that they're basically elves? Or do you think we'll see less of them because of how good these guys actually are? Um, I think you'll see a third bow. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I think Be, you'll because see. You make I them think if you, if you didn't take what Rainier said, if you didn't take a third bows before, I think you're going to do that now because you want people to be charging towards you in order to get your wall of blades special rule. And if you don't have any bows, you're going to be charging your opponent and you won't be getting that special rule. Um, The last thing you you want is to have an army of 30 of these guys and be facing a guy with like five bows and you're like, oh crap, now I got to charge him. (laughs) Yeah, I I think to be honest, you're going to see what people do with wood elves and see bow and spear in the back. Of, okay. of a lot because okay. you'll still get the two attacks you'll still get the plus one to wound when they charge heck we haven't even thought about if they're going to add any like legion rules to this too like i'm curious what that's going to look like but yeah I'm, I'm i think you're going to see bows and spears in the back um yeah yeah as i'm like a, a ton of these guys for the front line because it is 11 points for one plus courage and yeah their defense six I- too like that's not bad at all Maybe you guys have seen this army before. I've never seen this army before, and and I think it's relatively fair to say this is not a common army that people see when playing the game. So it's kind of amazing how when you add one, maybe two decent models to an army, everyone's now going to take this. And I just think it's it's a testament to how if a model is good enough, people will buy it and will try to make it prevalent. So it's just really cool to see how how Dale is coming into effect now. 
Yeah, um, I, I think it fixes like because Marcus from my group used to play Dale all the time. And uh, I think this fixes all of the weaknesses. When I played against Dale, I would just munch through the troops because they're defense five. This guy's defense six. And then like it's scary to attack them and it makes the shooting even that much better. It's just, yeah, I think this guy's really good. If I, yeah. if I were to play this army though, I, I got to be honest with you, I would put as many bows as humanly possible. And I mean, to have elf bows plus this ability, which I, I think is a great point of the synergy where you shoot them, they come to you, and then you get the, the benefit of that. I, I think it's an amazing combination between the two of them. Um, yeah, I think there's there's two reasons why we're probably going to see a lot more Dale. One of them is obviously these guys. Uh, the other one is, this is a bit of foreshadowing, but Rangers of Athelion got nerfed. And Rangers of Athelion basically outdid Dale in almost every way. Not only did they destroy them in a shooting war, but they also they had fight for troops that were very similar and they had a hero, a mid-tier hero like Faramir and Girion, basically. And obviously, you probably want Faramir over Girion. And Rangers just sort of outdid them. And now that they've been nerfed, which we will cover later, uh, I think Dale will definitely pop up some more. Uh, usage for these guys, I think, in a pure Dale list will be relatively high. I'm thinking 50%. If you can fork out the cash, 50% of a Dale army will probably include these guys. Uh, the rest of them will be spear supports, either bow spears or spear shields. Uh, I wouldn't use any of them as spear supports. I think they're just too inefficient points-wise for that uh, because uh, you don't get the wall of blades. The only reason you'd really want these guys as spear supports is the defense six, and you don't really need defense six for spear supports. Um, as allies, I think they could be an interesting idea using them as, say, front line for something like elves. Uh, sounds interesting. I kind of uh, like the, uh, the front line for wood elves idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so anything with good shooting. I think Legolas might be really potent. Uh, with these guys because no one yep. brings the opponent's army to you quite like Legolas does take say Legolas and Girion and the captain or something like that and then a bunch of guys uh, with bows and these guys and you've got a bunch of elf bows that can shoot and elves supporting your uh, plus one to wound wall of blades defense six guys in front that sounds kind of scary yeah, you could also take like a bunch of these guys and an iron hilt with ballista. Yep. <laughs> nothing nothing brings the enemy to you quicker than an iron hilt's ballista. Yep. Uh all right. So we'll move on to the first hero profile, which is Brand King of Dale. He is 110 points, so it's not super expensive, but he's up there in the upper mid-tier range. Uh he is fight movement six, fight five, strength four, defense seven, three attacks, three wounds. Courage five, three might, three will, one faith. So Rainier, you were correct in uh, one of our other episodes where he uh, he did die, so he only has one faith. Um, he has heavy armor, sword, and shield. His heroic actions are strike, strength, and resolve. So basically, he has one heroic action essentially, where it, which is uh, strike. 
Uh, he has an active special ability called Lord of Dale, where his stand fast is 12 inches. And he has another active ability called Stoic Fighter, where at the start of the fight involving Brand, check to see if he would be trapped. Uh, and if he's trapped, uh, he gets another D6 to win the roll to duel and another D6 run rolling to wound, if that were the case. Um, I do want to bring up at the bottom here, they say if this force contains King or Brand King of Dale or Bard the Second, Prince of Dale, then it may also and may not also include Gary and Lord of Dale. Additionally, ignore the allies matrix for the Garrison of Dale army list. Instead, they will be historical allies with Erebor reclaimed. So long as this list contains Dane Ironfoot, King Under the Mountain, or Thorin the Third Stonehelm. And they will be convenient allies with the Dead of Diamond Harrow, Fangorn, the Fellowship, Fiefdoms, Halls of Thranduil, Lothorian, Minas Tirith, the Misty Mountains, Rangers, Rivendell, Rohan, the Shire, and Druidan. Everything else will be impossible allies. So I'll go to Evan on this one first. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brand and the overall uh, thoughts on the special rule I just read out? Um, well, not profile. rule, but but the, yeah. the way the ally matrix works. Yeah. So the profile is decent. Uh, he's basically AMR with uh, some less fate, uh, who's a couple more points and has an increased standfast. Which I mean, if you are a hero of legends or just like a king model, you basically always have that increased standfast. There's so many models that have that. So that's nothing special. Um, Stoic Fighter uh, doesn't seem like it's going to happen a lot. Uh, usually if your hero on foot is trapped, bad things are going to happen, <laughs> and getting to re-roll the dual roll probably won't help you that much. Uh, so that's going to be super situational. Uh, so I don't think his profile is spectacular. Uh, it's not bad though. The problem though is he doesn't have a horse and we sort of knew that already because they never showed a model of him on horse, but not having a horse is not good. Uh, and being a fight five model that costs over a hundred points that can't take a horse uh, means very bad things for your hitting power. Uh, he is three attacks, strength four, fight five, which means that he is a worse fighter than Galatriel Lady of Light, and her purpose isn't even really to fight. So I think he may have some struggles on the other hand, though, he is a hero of legend, so he can lead a whole lot of troops. And I think the most important bit is they have a new set of allies, which means that Dale can now ally with Lord of the Rings era armies. Armies that you could ally with or models that you could ally with now include something like Minas Tirith, maybe, uh, Fellowship is a big one. You can ally in Fellowship Boromir, which uh, everybody loves doing that. Um, fiefdoms, all, all those sorts of Lord of the Rings era armies, you can now ally in to Dale as long as you take either Brand or the model we're going to go and talk about next. So, so here's, a, here's an interesting question. Stoic Fighter. If I read the rule... If, so, if another hero on horse charges him, 
that triggers the stoic fighter rule. So Bran can re-roll one of his dice. Am I right about that? Because he oh, would be he trapped if yeah. he loses the die roll. That would be right. Um, uh-huh. Which I think makes him an interesting... So there are heroes in... in there are certain heroes in certain armies that I think are that don't need to be on a horse. And I think Bran and his son, because of the way this army will now work with the stoic fighter, not the, I mean, with the, with the, with the figures that we just talked about where, you know, he's going to be in the middle of a phalanx. Um, and it, it kind of fits with our, Corsair conversation where we said like actually it's better that they're not mounted yeah so they can get into little avenues of like attack and stuff and like have some defensive maneuverability Matt, well we and also so only could... one only one figure can fight him at a time if he's in the middle of a phalanx you know he can get charged by somebody else mounted but that's going to give him effectively an extra die roll to win the dual roll plus he's got i mean so if he's if he's standing next to a banner and he's got a spear behind him, and he gets charged by somebody on a horse, he's effectively rolling six dice to win the combat. Didn't um, we decide, though, Matt, that technically if you were being supported, you could trap yourself technically anyway? So uh, you get the no, it, there's an exception, in, in, the, there's an exception yeah. in the way this rule is written for that. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, if but if he's charged by a guy play. on a horse, he's, he's still going to be trapped because he's going to be knocked down. Um, and so I... I, I, I guess I'm I, I'm less offended that he is not on a horse. I don't think it's I don't think it's that big a deal because I think this is a guy that's kind of designed to fight on foot in the middle of uh, a phalanx of of spearmen. So I guess I'm okay with it. I, I'm curious, Evan, because you're you're the numbers guy in the family. Um, I thought as I was looking at him that he was maybe slightly overcosted in comparison to peers. Um, um, depends on which peer you're talking about. It does. Uh, if you're talking about Aemer, who is, I think, somewhat undercosted, yes, he is overcosted. Uh, someone like Lertz, I'd have to run the math. Um, well, the closest one in comparison, in my opinion, is Shagrat, right? Like, you look at the similarities well, between I mean, the two. Shaggy is also undercosted. Um, but yes, I think this guy is ever so slightly <laughs> overcosted. I think he's more like Ardavui, the king of Arnor. He gives me those kind Arvidui of Ardavui is like 80 points, but... Um, yeah, but doesn't Ar- Ardavui have like uh, three attacks? Two wounds, I think, but three yeah. might. One, two will, and then yeah. uh, Just lower this, this, defense. This whole like list is coming out to be more like an optimized Arnor. I think if he was if he was a hundred points, I would be really happy. The ten extra points, I mean, I know it's nitpicking at that point, but you know, we're here to give our opinions on what we think, and I just think he's probably about ten points over cost, in my opinion. Yeah, if you take if you take it in allies, you're going to ally. I think his son over him, because also the hero of legend is amazing in the sense you can like spam out the war ban, but also it's forcing you to take a one fate leader. yeah, I, well, I think I think I think some points were dumped onto Brand's profile to make him the hero of legend. And I'm not sure those were entirely worth it, but I don't I don't think he's massively undercosted. I think he's probably like the equivalent of a hundred 
or perhaps 105. I just compare him to like Theoden in my head. And I know, I know he's like, he's got a little bit better stats than Theoden, but I'd much rather have Theoden than him. And they do this. Soledan. Soledan. Well, Soledan's like a weird exception where like he's way too good, but like. Soledan is is undercosted in almost every perspective. Right. And and this guy has some, this guy has some real advantages over Soledan in respect, you know, he's defense seven for one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And he's, he's good for the list. I feel like he's very good for the list because the defense seven, the horde aspect too, you're not going to have to fight with him. Um, you'll probably be out shooting everything else. So like, I don't think you're really going to get that he, the leader wound with cheeky like shots and stuff. So I like him to be honest. Of course, I don't think he's overpowered like or anything, but I like him for the list. He brings like a little bit of that like diversity yeah so just just comparing him to Shagrat because I think Tim brought this up uh keep in mind that Shagrat is quite undercosted, but the math goes if Shagrat takes the shield and the heavy armor which he always does Shagrat's five points more and for those five points he loses out on a courage uh gains a strength gains two fate points uh, gets the ability to knock down the people he charges and gets blood and glory and brand gets Lord of Dale and stoic fighter. So yes, Shagrat is better points yeah. wise. The only, the only uh, benefit that you would take brand over Shagrat in that regard is the, the six extra models he can take. Um, Cause I mean, I, I, I think it, it is a good point, right? Like the ability to take 18 models is a very good thing. Is it worth it over Shagrat? No, but I, the ability to take more per warband is a little bit underrated, in my opinion. Luckily, you will never, ever be tossing in your head whether or not no, you should take no. Shagrat or Brand <laughs> because yep. they are not even in the same no. uh, alignment. I guess the better comparison is Theoden in my in my eyes. then, because I, well, I the, very- the, the, tr- the troops is what you get, too. Like, this guy can bring, like, a bow spam. This guy can bring, like, bring, like those 11-point dudes that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think Shagrat, too. Like, he's great, but... Moranans and Black Numenorians are kind of like the what what you would maybe bring with him. Like this guy, I don't know. Just with the whole overall theme, you can mm-hmm. spam out the list Corsair style. Yeah, I um, mean it, it's an apples and oranges comparison. I mean, I will say, for, I mean the Warriors of Dale are I think worth it. I, I mean they're they're good warriors. Um, I mean you know you can buy them with. You can buy them with a shield for eight points. You can buy them with a shield and a spear for nine points, and they're a fight for a model. Um, so, uh, you know, I, there's something to be said for just, I mean, Dale was always like kind of like half an army, right? Because it had the Warriors of Dale and it really had like nothing else. And now you've got these guys that are perfect for standing in front of the Warriors of Dale and giving them fight six in the front. To, so, to a certain extent, it's kind of like the other half of the army. Um, and, you know, it, it, it may be that it's worth spending an extra five or 10 points to get brand just so you can get a few more of these kind of really cost effective warriors um, to, to fluff out the army. Uh, we'll move on to the last profile, which is Bard the Second, Prince of Dale. He is 100 points. He is a hero of valor. He's fight five, strength four, defense seven, three attacks, two wounds. Courage six, three might, two will, two fate. He has a heavy armor, spear, sword, and shield. So he does have a spear, 
Um, so if you want to support him, and you know you can. Uh, heroic defense, strike, and resolve. So again, me, me and Rainier talk about it all the time. Having strike and defense is a great combination because if you go against something that can really do a lot of damage, you, you defense. If you want to fight something and kill something, you strike. Um, and he also has special rule wall of blades. He gets plus one to wound when making strikes against there's making strikes with the spear against the model that charged him. So if someone charges him, you fight with the spear, you get plus one to wound. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll go to Rainier first. What are your thoughts on him? I like this guy a lot, to be honest, uh, back to the, to the thing. I like him better than his dad actually, because the rogue defense, um, is just such an ageist Rainier. You know it. Like I hate old people in general. It's just horrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can. Yeah, I can I really feel. I can really I feel the shriveled. vibes coming off of you every time I sign on to this. It's it like, gets oh, it's the old guy too. again. I know. Yeah. yeah You're like, okay, just... boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not a boomer. Yeah, no. Gen X. Give me a break. <laughs> No, but I, I like him a lot because he he does have more of a defensive aspect than his uh, than King Brand. Um, he's cheaper too. I know it's only ten points, but I think that ten points goes a long way. Being a hero of valor also is really good because he can lead fifteen troops. Yeah, I don't know. Like I just I would really like take this guy and being a hero of valor too. You can ally him into like a whole bunch of other different things. So yeah, I, I would. I don't know. I just really like him. He's going to kill stuff when he needs troops, stop mega heroes when he needs with his defense and just survive in like a shield wall. So again, it's kind of like a Corsair list. I see just these heroes as spamming out the, the models, like the warriors are what I actually think is the main like thing of this army, but they also do a lot, uh, which, which, which I like them. And again, comparing them to Arnor, I think this is like a really optimized version of Arnor because you have elf bows that shoot like the Rangers of Arnor plus higher defense. You have better courage models who are still going to be defense six to five and you have better heroes. Um, so yeah, I, I just really like this. Well, okay. I, I wouldn't call this a better version of Arnor because it, it has, it's missing what Arnor has that makes Arnor it, that gives Arnor its niche, which is the fact that warriors of Arnor are ridiculously overpowered, but that's an entirely different thing. Um, speaking of Bard, uh, I think he's pretty good. Honestly, I was, I'm sort of underwhelmed by his father, but I think this guy is pretty decent. I really like the whole dynamic of wall of blades on a hero. Because usually if there's a hero on foot, what you do is you take one model, you charge them into that hero, preferably that model is defense seven, and you go, all right, you're either going to bounce off this guy or you're going to try and call a heroic combat, kill him, and then maybe get into an additional guy. And it basically stops the hero from doing anything he wants to do. And now that you have Wall of Blades you're better able to deal with this. You're going to be wounding that hero more reliably. You can more reliably call a heroic combat and move on. And it sort of gives your opponent uh, a trade-off. If they charge this guy, then he is going to be able to kill you faster. Uh, other things to note, he does lose a wound compared to his father. 
So without heroic defense, he's going to be slightly less tankier. And he is a hero of valor. So compared to his father, he's missing out on three guys. But I think if I were to ally Dale, I would probably prefer him over uh, his father. Um, I, I want to ask a quick question before I move on to the Q, to the FAQ. Um, if you were to come up against Bard, how would you deal with him? Would you still do the, the tactic which I haven't talked about, which is to throw a guy or two into him just to hold him there, knowing that he gets the plus one? Or does that kind of change the way you would play a game? So I'll go to Matt first. So... So, I mean, what, what you could do, assuming this guy's in a phalanx, is you could, and, and so you're fighting shield wall to shield wall, you could charge a, a guy into the person to the left of Bard the second. You could charge somebody into somebody to the right of Bard the second. And then you take one guy and you move up so he's like, uh, a hair more than one inch or exactly one inch away from Bard the second himself in the middle. So that Bard's only option, if he wants to get into combat would be to charge that guy. Cause that guy still has his zone of control. Um, and, and I mean, at least, at least that way Bard's got to charge that one guy and, um, uh, and he doesn't get the, uh, the plus one to wound. I mean, that's a, that's another way to deal with him. I still think the best way to deal with Bard the second and his and his um, Knights of Dale that will be on either side of him is to bring up a bunch of guys with throwing weapons six inches away and just start chucking at him until he's forced to charge. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, he's still only his strength four. Uh, he's not going to be like, he can kill stuff, but you do have quite a few heavy armor troops out, like armies out there especially defense seven i would just like box him in what like matt said uh focus on the on the troops to get those easier kills so matt remind me correct me if i'm wrong um isn't there a rule where if you're charging two people in a control zone you get to choose which one so theoretically couldn't he just go to the one on the right or the left even though he's entering a control nope because the ones the one on the right and the left that are already in combat don't have control zones yeah, but the I thought only if you control, enter zone, a control zone, you can still, as long as you're charging. Somebody. Yeah, but the only control zone he would be entering would be the guy who is straight ahead because he's the only one. I see, who okay, still has I, see a control what, zone. I see what I see what you're saying. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, I think that's it for the Dale people. We'll move on to the new uh, FAQ that came out. Uh, the way we're going to do this is we're going to start off with all the different things. Uh, I'll mention them out loud. If anybody wants to comment on them, they can. If not, we'll move on to the next one. Um, so the first one up is the Armies of the Hobbit errata, and I believe there's just one here, uh, which is the Iron Hills Captain. He can change the first option to the following, may exchange War Spear and Shield for Matic for free. It's uh, free, and it's still not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it changed from useless to useless, but maybe I might take it for fun sometimes. Yeah. It, it, it's basically, I can either... Uh, you, you to put it another way, you used to have to pay points to get this penalty. Now you can get this penalty for free. <laughs> and you still don't want it. Okay, uh, we'll move on now to the armies of the Hobbit uh, designer commentary. 
um, in the first one up is what happens if the driver of an Iron Hills chariot is paralyzed? The driver will be paralyzed as normal. Whilst the driver is paralyzed, the chariot cannot move. However, any friendly model also in the chariot that did not make a shooting attack that turn may attempt to aid the driver in recovering from the effects of the paralyzed magical power. Mm-hmm. This is new. Um, That's interesting. Like, I think that actually makes paralyze pretty effective because it's hard to roll a six. Yeah. So paralyze got a couple of boosts in this um, and, you know, got a couple of very situational boosts and, and this is one of them. If Azog is riding the white warg and is affected by the panic steed magical power, will the white warg remain on the board thanks to its raging beast special rule? Yes. Okay. Makes so sense. this, uh, well, I, I mean, actually it doesn't, this is the opposite of the way that the rule actually reads as written. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's fine. I actually don't have a problem. This was something that always bugged me about the way the rule was written was that the white warg would run away and Azog is no longer intensely vulnerable to, uh, to panic steed. So I think this is the, the right outcome, but this is another um, errata in disguise of an FAQ. Yeah. Azog players no longer sweat profusely when they see Radagast across the board. Yeah, I mean, it, it used to be that if you had Azog and, Ad- and Radagast showed up, she's like, all right, well, I guess I'm dismounting. Um, and now you don't have to do that. Okay. Uh, the next one is, what happens if Grinna uses Swap With Me to swap with the Goblin King, who was in combat with multiple enemy models, but due to his smaller base size, Grinna cannot be placed in a base contact with all the same models? In this unusual situation, I love how they had to add that, <laughs> Grinna will be placed as close to the center of where the Goblin King was. Grinna will still count as being in combat with all the same models as the Goblin King was originally, even though he is not in base contact with them all. Uh, all right. I, I've <laughs> never seen this happen before. I guess uh, it's a very, oh, very slight nerf to, to Grinna. Um, but I'm glad they clarified this. Yeah. It, well, I mean, that, that was one of the main rules of having Grinna around was that if the Goblin King ever got into a situation where, you know, he was going to get ganged up on and go down, Grinna would um, you know, be able to, to jump in front of the Goblin King and go, no! <laughs> um, and now they've kind of clar- clarified what happens when, when that occurs. Uh, when Grunna uses Swap With Me to swap places with the Goblin King, does the Goblin King's base have to be placed centrally over Grinna's base, over where Grinna's base was? No, though the Goblin King must still be placed so that the, his base covers all the area that Grinna's base took up. Okay. All right. Um, does, contraption, does the contraption holding the Goblin Scribe count as part of the model when working out whether or not model has line of sight to the Goblin Scribe? Yes. This is an exception to the usual rules regarding scenery on the base of a model. That is interesting. Um, and will make it, I guess, a bit harder for the Goblin Scribe to kind of hide from shooting and siege engines yeah. and all that. So that's probably, that's a slight nerf to the Goblin Scribe, but I think one we can live with. Yep. Can a model with Chittering Horde's special rule make special strikes when supporting? No. That is actually a very important FAQ, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah, because you're going to have all those piercing strike people that want to like piercing strike from the back. Let me put all my axes in in the back, and even though they're defense three, I don't suffer any minuses. I'm I'm fairly sure this was always how it was interpreted, but it was a little bit of a gray area. Mm -hmm. So we did see people doing that sometimes. So I'm glad it's clarified officially. Okay. 
and the last one, or last two, I should say, is smog a battlefield target or siege target? A battlefield target. All right. Well, so I think a, I think this was absolutely necessary because if he's a siege target, then siege weapons like the 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 black arrow from the um, uh, you know whatever that the windlands would only do one point of damage to him a turn. But boy, is this boy is this siege target versus battlefield target an odd mechanic? Because now the Mumak is a siege target, but Smaug, who's bigger, is a battlefield target. Uh, uh, I don't get it, but all right, <laughs> all right. Um, can Smaug be immobilized, transfixed? Yes. All right. Uh, next one is. I don't think there was ever really any doubt about that, but okay. <laughs> Uh, Armies of Lord of the Rings official rata. Uh, first up, we have the Black Guard of Barador. Options change the following: exchange shield for banner. Okay, why? <laughs> just, just why? Uh, why do they do this? Because of the model. Um, I know, but it, come on. I mean, like nobody. They, they wanted to keep it. Cons- I mean, no one was going to take a banner on the Black Guard, anyways. But in case you do, you the model you have is now correct. Uh, is it? the greatest thing in the world no uh i would have preferred they just left it like that uh because it doesn't really make sense because you're losing something that's one point and you're still paying the full 25 points but that's how they do it for every other elite model that has to drop its shield or spear i don't like it but it's how it is okay uh finally uh page 164 ward marauder Add the Cave Dweller special rule to the Moria Goblin Riders. Makes oh, sense. thank God they finally made this change. <laughs> yeah, I was. I don't know how many times I was about to quit the game. I know, me too. I even this is this is really that this was really the the change that yeah I think was probably the reason behind this whole FAQ. I think the rest of it's irrelevant. But now, now, now the Warg Marauder Rider Riders are back to being Cave Dwellers. Thank God. Woo. <laughs> Um, All right, and now we're on to the designer's commentary. Uh, The first one is, Wilts mounted on Treebeard, can Merry and Pippin still throw stones if Treebeard is engaged in combat? Yes. So even if they're fighting, you can still throw stones. Um, Next one is, when Merry and Pippin throw stones when mounted on Treebeard, where is the distance measured from? From Treebeard's base. So again, good thing for them. are models that are being used as bludgeon, as the bludgeon during the bludgeon brutal power attack, still considered to be in base contact with any models that they were in base contact with before the brutal power attack took place? No. So what what's the point of that one? Is the point of that one so that you can pick up a banner bearer or pick um, up somebody who is next yeah, to a banner bearer? That's probably right. I assume it was something to do with banners. Mm. Okay, I'm sure that's important for some reason. <laughs> the, the one person that's ever used bludgeon. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've used bludgeon. Not with a banner. There you bear. go. All right. Uh, if Gulavar... No, nothing's, nothing's more fun, by the way, than, than picking up a uh, hero with bludgeon and using that hero to bludgeon all of the warriors around him and kill that hero, too. <laughs> may not be the most effective way to do it, but boy, is it fun. <laughs> Uh, if Gulivar is already wounded and slays an enemy model in combat before making all of the strikes, does he regain wounds and therefore attacks immediately and can therefore use them in the same combat? 
No. Gulivar will only regain wounds by slaying models at the end of the combat he's involved in. So someone tried to be a little cheeky there. <laughs> um, all right. But read the next one. Yep. If Gulivar suffers any wounds whilst making attacks, such as from Haldir's one final blow special rule or Shark who's riding dagger, which results in its wounds being reduced, will its attacks be reduced, making it making any more strikes? If Gulivar is making its strikes all in one go, then this will have no effect on the number of attacks Gulivar makes. However, if Gulivar makes its strikes individually and has its wounds reduced before its final before it has finished making all the strikes, then its attacks will immediately be reduced. This may result in Gulivar having to immediately stop making strikes. Can somebody explain to me why the same principle was not used to answer both questions? <laughs> They're like being difficult. Why not? Oh, wait, I see it all now. It's so simple. No, wait, it's needlessly complicated. <laughs> I was, honestly have no idea what just happened. As you're reading, I was like, what? Basically, <laughs> they want like, I don't know. It's just. So no, if it, it makes sense, like if Haldir like yeah. strikes you, like your wounds go down. But like mm-hmm. what Matt said, like if you read it in conjunction with the first one, yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just confused. Like I guess I'll just like flip it out at an event. And yeah, like, Tio, can you translate this? This strikes me as like flowy version two over here, like two very, very, very specific special rules on two very specific models interact in this very confusing way that we've never seen before. Um, I feel like it would have been easier to just say that Haldir's strikes happen at the end of the fight phase and be done with it, but I guess this is a thing that exists now. Yeah. Um yeah, so this is this is the classic example of these things are sufficiently obscure that you could have just come up with one rule to cover all situations, but now we have to remember two different rules to cover a myriad of different situations. And, I mean, guys, come on, can we just default toward the simple here when it doesn't really... Let's face it, it doesn't affect the game. Yeah. <laughs> What about that one point zero zero one percent chance of it happening? That I mean, yeah. all things. Yeah, there must be better. some like strange shenanigans going on in the UK. Every like, single scenario what? that could come up is coming up. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind if we cover the weird scenarios that come up, but could we at least cover them consistently so we don't have to remember like which situation breaks in which direction? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway. Oh, here's a watcher one for you, Matt. I was just yep. gonna say, Matt, this is gonna affect your watcher play. Uh, can the watcher in the water use might to increase its role to arrive on the board or it's from the deep special rule? No. Matt, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I always assumed that was the case since it's <laughs> not one of the things that's specified. Okay. Uh, if the Balrog or the watcher in the water hits a model with a fiery lash or tentacle special rule, respectively, and by dragging them into combat by the shortest possible route, but also put the dragged model into base contact with another friendly model. Will that friendly model also count as being in combat with the dragged model? Yes. Ooh, bats, yeah. bats. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bats. I mean, this is this is the bat special rule. Um, so, I had a discussion. I think it was Leon Cur- with Leon Curry, who said that the way the Germans have ruled this situation in the past is that. Um, the, the bats would not end up being in the combat. Therefore, you would not get the having of the fight value. Um, we, we 
we went through and we kind of parsed through the rules and I couldn't figure out how the German interpretation could be squared with the way the rules actually read. And Leanne was like, yeah, I kind of, I, I'm kind of with you on that, but that's how German reps rule it. But this has definitively taken the German interpretation off the board. So okay. yeah, I, think that, I think this memorializes what the rules actually say, but at least it's clear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Matt, I know you're not going to be happy about this next one. Um, cause, just because it's basically the same thing. If the yeah. watcher in the water suffers any wounds while it's making attacks, such from hell. Tim, you don't need to read this. It's right, the exact it's, same thing as yeah, Golovar. It's Haldir and Golovar. When he does the strikes, you have to specify whether you're striking him one at a time or not. And it's the same dang ruling that could have been fixed much easier, but whatever. Yeah, that's right. The, the other interpretation would have been much simpler and would not have changed the game one whit, but no, we're going to do it the complicated way. Okay. Uh, Rainier, this is going to affect you now. Uh, can a Condis chariot be knocked prone via the bash special strike? Yes. So all those points you pay for a chariot, bye-bye. That's good. There goes by a hobbish militia, like, he's like this small compared to the chariot and the guys here but time somehow he like nartos it and like jumps and -cha! knocks him off his chariot that's good well, i'll be honest with you though the one that would scare me if i was running condis chariot would be moranins because they do have a, a mall as an option oh, so they could they? interesting they could yeah. bash at strength four i'd be afraid of uh what is it uh shoot what are they called wizards to be honest because you can yeah, throw wizards. cherry into wizard to try to like de oh, they, them they or kill them and then they could just they stun they don't bash. oh they stun yeah, they they um what i'm really thinking about is a uh, dwallen who can probably oh, just be like a chariot killing machine like every time he fights one he just knocks it off because he's got plus one for the two-handed and he's got strength five so he's almost always uh successful with knocking them down I'm still scared. I'm still scared of the, the Hobbit shirt. A hammer or a mace, <laughs> I think. Uh, Rainier, that's got to be kind of annoying, though, if you took like a Kandish king and you paid all those points for the chariot and then bye-bye. And Well, I, I think it helps well, that, that the Kandish kings and chariots are like 5-5. Five, five, so like that does help. But like on the offshoot that like you do roll like pretty bad, you can literally have like a Hobbit sheriff be like, Don't the Hobbit sheriffs done too? Oh, do they too? Look, I'm just like messing up rules all left and right the hobbit militia do have access to hammers i'm fair right yes. yeah it's that it, yeah. there's a hobbit militia figure that has a hammer um, yeah the, 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 the three point or four point model. i'm not gonna lie to you though when i take Moranins, i genuinely take like two or three with with bat that can bash for this exact reason though not conned but like the ability to knock someone off something like that because they can bash. oh grim now, hammers grim yeah, hammers grim are hammer. a big one because they can go two-handed uh, they're probably strength four because of Thror. So they have a decent chance and they win ties because they're the, the basher, the person yeah. that yeah. bashes. Wins I, ties. I wonder if this like applies to other chariots too. Can you like knock off like a. Uh, yeah, it is kind of weird chariot. that they specifically say Condus chariot rather than. Yeah, that's again like they answer something and it creates more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, the I think the Iron Hills chariots have a special rule that says that. Um, they can never be knocked prone. I was going to say, can you imagine if you um, took uh, one of that 375 point model, you just bash and get lucky, and the next thing you know, you lose the whole thing? Well, I mean, you also so have funny. weird dynamics because there's multiple people on the chariot and you can't bash them all. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
Yeah. Okay. So I mean, yeah, because it's because it's because it, it says can be knocked prone, and I'm I'm pretty sure that the Iron Hills chariots cannot be knocked prone. Period. Okay. Which the Condor's chariots do not have. All right. So Con gets a little bit weaker there. Um, if a model with the Impaler special rule charges a cavalry model and kills the mount on the charge, will it now gain the cavalry charge bonus that is now fighting against an infantry model? No, as the model initially charged a cavalry model. Oh, that's weird. So I then mean, it makes ha- sense. It it does, but like I would imagine, like the yeah, I guess so. So like if a camel, you would like, think they would try to give that advantage though. Yeah, because it's like so much momentum and stuff, and the guy falls off. But I guess it also if they if they roll poorly and they're on the floor, you get double attacks anyways because they're trapped. Mm-hmm. That's okay. interesting. It's good to clarify that though. If a model with a pavise is hit by an impact hit, such as from a war beast, chariot, or a model with the impaler rule, does it still gain the defense bonus from the pavise? Yes. So Rainier's happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really um, good, though, for like the Arbalisters. Like, yeah. That's but, really good. Like, it means their defense six when it comes to all those special, like, different things. By the way, um, for, for the Iron Hills Chariot, I just looked this up. Hiding at the bottom of the large war machine special rule, which is amongst the like eight special rules this thing has, the very last sentence is the chariot cannot be barred, hurled, or knocked prone for any reason. Mm. So I think that solves okay. the bash problem. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next one, which is battle companies. Um, I guess if we can go over that real quick. There's a couple little things. If, if you Yeah, like so that. I guess that's a game we play. <laughs> I, i'm you gonna be just, honest i i didn't read this faq but yeah I, I didn't let's either. go over it all right we'll go be honest i didn't read any of the faq <laughs> <laughs> we're getting live reactions that's the point yeah, we're exactly. doing this it's tactically planned <laughs> exactly or i'm just lazy but i don't know um if the rider of a cavalry model is slain but their mount stays on the board will he be will the model still gain experience points for any kills subsequently made by the mount yes all right moving on yep uh, if one of a member of a Vault Warren team dies, can another member of the battle company be upgraded to replace them? No. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> can a cave troll purchase a troll chain as it has one of its profile? If so, how many influence points will it cost to buy one? Yes, it will cost the same as a normal throwing weapon from the armory. And do Corsair Reavers treat the leader and sergeants as a bosun for the purpose of the mindless killer special rule? Yes. So for okay, anybody then. that's in the battle, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so sure some people, for all the 26 were, people were very happy about this. I'm sure. Uh, we really all play it all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we have played it. The, the game has, has a place, but, you know, that's it's not really what this podcast is about. I mean, this is this one right here is the, the biggest one. Yeah, of this, the, is, this is the one that likes the biggest change, but also yep. it's the one that makes the most sense. So this is just... one that people have been praying for. Maybe not this exact way, but it, this it, is it this is the one that the people who don't play Rangers of Athelion have been playing have been praying for. Yes. <laughs> All right. Rangers of Athelion. Additional rules. Replace the second bullet point with the following. A Ranger of, Rangers of Athelion list force must always include Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol. So no more getting a bunch of Rangers necessarily. You can still get a bunch, but not at lower points. Yeah, I, I think you, you see like a whole bunch of people freaking out about this. I saw a post in the GBHL where someone was like, I painted this whole army and now they destroyed. It. I'm like, just paint three more models. <laughs> like, well, like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. think it's that big. Of, it, it makes it like... It, it is good. To it just is a, good. It is a big deal, right? 
because, and here's why this is not scalable. Um, what I think mm-hmm. I would have preferred to have seen would be something where it says like, you know, in armies of 400 points or left, you have less, you have to take Frodo in armies of like 400 to 600 points. Uh, you have to take Frodo and Sam and armies of, you know, 600 points or above. You have to take Frodo, Sam and Gollum. Um, and now you have to take Frodo, Sam and Gollum. And that's like a hundred. What is it? Evan, it's like 160 points. Uh, Frodo is 85. Sam is 45. Smeagol is 30. So that should that's, be around 160 points. So that's 20 Rangers right there. Um, and that's a big chunk of points at yeah, lower points level. Um, do you think, it's, crazy do you though, think they you... did on purpose though, because they don't want to see it at yeah. lower points levels. Like you, like, again, like, I don't yeah, know what the craziness Rangers... that the UK saw. Rangers were the more the lower the points level you got, the more broken Rangers were. So like at 400, 300 ish points, they were completely unbeatable. Uh, Now they aren't that great at that level at like the 600 point range. They were very, very, very good. Uh, Now they're kind of mediocre at 700 points. Plus, they aren't very good. And they are still not very good. So yeah, I, I suspect a there's a lot of players in the UK right now who are frantically changing their Articon armies. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to ask. Like, that's... this probably totally even like those who like built against this. Can you imagine like, you went out sure and bought this for, for that tournament, and the next thing you know, you just basically almost wasted your money, essentially. Yeah, but, although yeah, but I, yeah. I feel like it was like a long way scene. Like, you, I'm you not saying tell, it. Like, did, I'm not saying happen. it didn't need to happen. I'm just saying the. It's just unfortunate for those people who happen to buy it, wanting to play it like yeah. it is. Kind of like that last Articon when it was like they nerfed Nature's Wrath right before the event too. It just changed a lot of dynamics of this. Yeah. Oh, by, by the way, if anyone wants a good laugh, um, go and look at the Warhammer community article where they talk about these FAQs. And Jay goes into the explanation of why they did this. And his explanation... The explanation that he gave essentially boils down to, well, we were really upset that we created this wonderful legion that as a matter of theme should have Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol in it, but nobody was taking them. So we decided to make you take them. <laughs> that <laughs> was mean, the rationalization. It was like, it was to, like there was nothing. We, we, yeah, we no boiled all these vegetables they created a broken and I thought you would eat them, but you're not eating them. Now you have to eat these vegetables. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and, and no, I mean, you could just, you're sitting there reading this and you're just seeing the little lights, flimsy rationalization in progress <laughs> going off as you, as you read this. It really is kind of funny to, well, look, to looking at this on the bright side, you will now finally see Smeagol in a Rangers of Athelion list because uh, Smeagol is complete and utter garbage and the only way you would possibly get him in a Rangers of Athelion list is if you for if you're forced to take him. So yay, Smeagol is in a Rangers of Athelion. You know what list. I imagine this kind of is? It's it's like uh if if the clouds of Mordor kind of parted and the sun starts hitting the so everybody's just really happy at 500 points now where they're like Oh my God! I can see the light again. <laughs> now, now I'm wait, now I'm waiting for the future FAQs that uh, um, require you to take um, uh, Peregrine Tuke uh, Knight oh. of the Tower in a Minas Tirith <laughs> list that has like 
more than a dozen uh, fountain court guard in it. <laughs> if, if, if you want to take Gandalf the White, you have to take uh, uh, Pippin from now on. <laughs> well, boy, then you'd never see Gandalf. The hey, White. That's what I'm saying. They'll, they'll do, <laughs> yeah, they'll do something right. like that. Yeah, you already don't we modeled yeah. him with Pippin. Nobody's using him, so we had to figure out a way to get him there. You didn't give us a rule for using him. Give us a rule for using him. I'll use him. <laughs> so the, the ramifications of this Rangers of Athelion uh, nerf are practically non-existent at higher points at like 800 to a thousand. You were never really worried about them anyways. uh, At lower points, they are extreme. Uh, I think blinding light and very high defense are going to be a lot less necessary at lower points. I think Corsairs are going to be doing a whole heck of a lot better now that their main competition is gone because I mean, the whole thing with Corsairs is they're yeah. very good at low points, but Rangers of Athelion used to outshoot them. And I that think was Dale, Dale yeah. too, like Dale or, and Battle of the Five yes. Armies are going to do pretty good too, because you can quite, I mean, you said it, Tim, in a previous episode, the, the list you played against in New Jersey, like, I was like, holy smokes, like that's a lot of shooting at 600 I, with I, good tools. I have to say, though, he did take a very themey list. So he didn't take all Rangers. He, he took, I believe, Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol. Oh no no! So, I'm talking about the Army of Lake Town. With, oh, that one, uh, yes. Airborne, yeah, oh, okay. Airborne, yeah, like that 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 Battle of the Five Armies. Like you can still, I think Dale's going to be really good because now Dale isn't going to be shot out by anything unless it's like Herat or Corsairs. Well, assuming you keep the the bonus, because I mean the whole point, right, is that you get that that Elven bonus to them, right? Now that's not to say that Strength Three at a four plus is bad, but when you're able to take Elven bows for their points it's pretty unbelievable um all right so we'll move on to the next one uh gondor at war designers commentary uh ingold's resolve fighter states that he does not back away does this mean that he is immune to the barge brutal power attack no if ingold is barged he will still back away as described in the brutal power attack this is an exception to the result Resolute fighter special rule that states Ingold never backs away. So they fixed the wrong part of Ingold's resolute fighter special rule. Uh, but I guess his rule has now been overridden for the specific case of Barge. Uh, jury's still out on whether or not he is automatically trapped if he has a model behind him uh, because he can't make way. But I guess that won't be clarified. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, I, I, at this point, I'm a little unclear as to what Ingold's um, resolute fighter rule actually accomplishes. <laughs> yeah, because they say he'll be trapped now. Like each time, they're like, "No, he can't." Actually yeah, do that. I love the way you like, said oh, that. He can't actually do that. <laughs> I love the way you say. You're like, at this point, I really don't know why they made the rule. <laughs> uh, they should well, just rename it to fighter it accomplishes one thing and that is you get shield wall on your warriors of Minas Tirith in combat if you if you have fight force spear supports that don't have shield wall um, other than that you can sort of sit on objectives a little better but that's yeah I mean as far as I can tell this this rule basically has collapsed down to Resolute fighter means that Ingol doesn't back away unless he is required to back away. All right. In which uh, case he backs away. <laughs> uh, 
match play guide, we have two questions. Uh, if a cavalry model is on top of an objective marker in the destroy the supply scenario, and then loses their mount and does not roll a six on the throne rider chart, can they still destroy the objective marker during the end phase? No. Okay, that's good, good clarification. Yep. Uh, can a prone model destroy an objective marker in the destroy the supply scenario? No. So I just answered the first. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, here's clarification. Well, so here's part one, and here's part two. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, next. next, we've got the Middle Earth uh, Games Rule Manual, uh, firing the siege engine. Change the last line of the paragraph to read. Note, if a model involved in a fight is hit by a siege engine shot, then determine which model in the fight is hit by the initial shot in the same way as a normal shooting attack. Hmm. Interesting. Hey, can you scroll back yep. up again? I want to make sure I, I, I thought I understood this. And then as you just said it, I'm not sure I do. So would that mean that everybody's not affected? Or does that just mean the initial hit? No, it, yeah. So the initial, so I think the way this rules is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is if you shoot into a combat with a siege weapon, you do good versus evil. Um, you know, one, two, three, the, or, well, or enemy versus friendly or however you want to do it. One, two, three, um, uh, your own guy gets hit four five, six, the other guy gets hit. Or, you know, if you do it good versus evil, good, you know, however you're going to do it. And then I, I presume that if, <clears throat> if your opponent's model gets hit, then it's the guy that you shot at. If it is your own model that gets hit, it's the guy that's closest to the shooter. Is mm -hmm. that how it gets played out? I, I think I think that makes the most sense. Hmm. But yeah. It's a little, little I think that's how you do it with a normal shooting attack. So yeah. All right. So we'll we'll, we'll say that that's the way we're interpreting it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll say that that's how even though works. even though it's you know it's supposed to answer the question, we got more questions. So yeah, I, but I, I think that is how it works. <laughs> Okay. Um, next, we're into the designer's commentary for the game's rule manual. Uh, we have if a special rule, um, if a special rule allows a model to reroll multiple dice, such as a bane of kings, does this model have to reroll all their dice together, or can they reroll some dice, see the results, and then reroll the rest? If a single special rule allows a model to reroll multiple dice, they must reroll all of them together. However, if a model is able to re-roll multiple dice from multiple different special rules, then they may do so individually. Remember, you can never re-roll a re-roll. So wait, so a Hashar, if he has three attacks, and if he wants to re-roll one of them, he has to re-roll all three? Yeah. No, I think, I, I think the same thing. All right. So I think the way this reads is, so if you have, if you have Band of Kings, so you've got, say, Betrayer on Felbeast or whatever, um, and he goes in and he's going to, roll his three attacks say he wounds with one of them he doesn't re-roll that one he fails to wound with two of them he re-rolls both of those oh, and he has so, to re-roll both of those so if he if he needs a six to wound he rolls let's say a, a six five and a two he can't say i'm only going to re-roll the two um, i have to re-roll the five and the two he, yes okay that makes sense and Either i i guess the reason for that is what you just stated right because he what he could do is he could say um i don't want to re-roll the five to um, see if he wants to might it up like yeah i can might that one up or perhaps you want to 
let's let's say you got into one of those weird situations where you don't need to kill the model and they might just say, well, I'm fine leaving it as is kind of a thing. So I, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I like the way Matt put it actually probably better because you could just choose not to re-roll. So actually that makes more sense. That's good. Now, like clarification too, can he use Bane King's Wells on Felbeast? I've heard yes. And um, well, because he would have to make the strikes because it's his things so i think it's no i think says I, the model though yeah when the I, model makes does strikes. it say that does the that beast is part of the model so yes, i is. assume it re-rolls yeah uh, otherwise I'll, I'll, why the heck does that rule exist on him me yeah, someone look up the exact wording just so we can be right. positive on that uh, um, okay i'll look that up uh do cavalry models gain any bonuses for charging one in deep water no Makes sense. <laughs> I have never played cavalry on a board of deep water deep in water? my life. Has anyone played deep water before? In specific, like narrative scenarios, yes. But I, I, I was once it's... at a historicon where I saw them playing. Um, I'm on hen. Yeah, the Ammon hen scenario where they Didn't... had like a river there that they counted as deep water. I think that's the Didn't only time I've ever seen it. Drown swimming. I think he did. He tried that's to swim out probably. after the hobbits on a raft, and he drowned. I think the problem was he did not actually have a raft. <laughs> all, all he had was his shield, which he found out didn't No, not I work. mean, the hobbits were on a raft, and he did not oh. have a raft. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, but yes, <laughs> him not having a raft is also part of the problem, because he did eventually drown. All right. Um, what happens if the commander of a war beast is paralyzed? The commander will be paralyzed as normal. Once the commander is paralyzed, the war beast cannot move. However, any friendly model in the Howda that did not make a shooting attack that turn may attempt to aid the commander in recovering from the effects of the paralyzed magical power. So same thing with uh, the chariot, basically. Yep. This is the other How buff to paralyze. in the world does that work on the Mumak? Because you, you have, guys you can move freely on the Mumak. So can they just post- like... Can they reach with their like extendo hands and like touch the other person and yeah, say like, like the hey, hey buddy, the it's going to be better. <laughs> I mean, what, this, what? this usually doesn't matter because I think the barrel white has to get like within right six up inches in Max's yeah. face to get within six <laughs> inches of the, of the I, driver. But still, it I, makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think the only way this actually occurs is if the Mumak is like walking next to a building that happens to have a barrel white on the on its roof. <laughs> yeah, well, or or Merkwood spiders, I guess, because well, their range. Yeah, the, the other is thing eight is, inches, so it's technically possible. The other thing is, um, uh, what was I going to say? The great beast of Gorgoroth, mm-hmm. who to whom a a Barrow White could get close to. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so ba- all right, so the bane of King's special rule: this model must re-roll all failed to wound rolls when making strikes in close combat. And if you look, if I'm going to go off of memory here, but I believe it's page 17 of the rule book defines the model to include the mount. Mm. Um, unless it's black dart. Interesting question though, dart. on the, you know, unless it's black dart, but then again, the rule book also defines uh, Never mind. All right. We're not going to get started on that. again. <laughs> um, oh, we're going to trigger everybody. Yeah. But, uh, it, but here's an interesting thing. If you spend the might on the die roll, then it's not a failed to wound roll. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the FAQ actually answers the question of if you might the five to a six, must you re-roll the five 
Well, I think it's also interesting, though, that, and this is the point I was trying to make before, it says you must re-roll it, not you can re-roll. You know what I mean? So if you didn't want to kill a model, let's say you, you had just broken someone and you didn't need the game to end at that exact moment, then you, you have to re-roll. So it's yeah. Like, I would I would think the situations where you like want to inflict one wound but not two yes. are going to be few and far far between. Well, but. yes, it's it's not very often, but I have had games exactly like that before. So there there are moments where that does come into effect. All right. Uh, if an take your word for it, Tim. <laughs> if an unengaged hero model with a spear declared a heroic action in the fight phase, such as a heroic strike or heroic defense, and it then subsequently charged in the fight phase, can they still support? No, a model that declared a heroic action in the fight phase cannot support. This is decently big, I think. Um, Because I I know a strategy with a couple of heroes with spears was to stick them behind a model and call a heroic strike in order to get their fight value higher than like a monster. And it would keep them out of danger. Well, there's actually something in the rules that says you can't do that. Yeah. Um, you can't. Uh, uh, I mean, you 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 got no benefit from the strike if you were supporting. I think is what the what is say. a model that has a spear that can strike? An uh, Iron Hills Captain. Iron Hills. Uh, Captain. They can't. Strike. Oh no, they that, can't strike they, anymore. They used to be. Uh, able to strike. Well, That's no, they up. technically can if Free they the master of battle or five up a That's heroic true, strike from battle, another right. hero. Can can Martin strike? No, Martin. No, he cannot. What about no. Frida free, free, free Tall Spear, and then the new brand? Frida, Frida cannot strike. Oh, the brand. Uh, brand brand can. Yeah, can. But does that mean? I don't strike. think he would do that. But does that mean if he's behind, he cannot strike to use his? He couldn't strike or defend. Correct. And then Another interesting application interesting. of this he, he is if defense. your hero, if your hero has well, no, a so... spear and is in combat and calls a oh, heroic yeah. combat, they cannot then go in spear support to aid in a fight. Yeah, that is actually significant. Say if that hero yeah, is higher big. fight than another hero, oh, and there's that's no way of getting into combat except by spear supporting, you can no longer do that. So you yep. can't spear support with a hero that calls a heroic combat after the heroic combat. Yeah. So I mean it's a it's a good point though, right? Like because um because Gilgalad's that that's a spear, right? Oh yeah, Gilgalad. That that's the main use of that. Right. You could use yeah, him yeah, as yeah. a fight nine spear support. You can't do that after heroic <laughs> combat anymore. Interesting. So, Although I have, I have to say, this is this is one where. So this is one where I was always puzzled why this was because, it doesn't strike me as making any sense practically because you know I, I don't understand why you wouldn't be able to like wh- whatever a heroic strike is, and it's not clear to me I know what a heroic strike is in reality, but. It wasn't clear to me why you couldn't do it from a support position rather than being the guy in front. Uh, and it also made no sense. I mean, if it also made no sense from a simplicity point of view, either, um, because it 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 you know it was an exception to the normal rule, and exceptions are by necessarily complications or by necessity complications. Um, so I didn't understand what the rationale was for saying that you know you couldn't have a guy with a spear strike to get the fight value up but and uh, this and, and and this this is i guess equally puzzling I, I don't know why i don't know why this this layering of complication was was placed on the game 
Mm. All right. But yeah, no, it's a good point, Evan. It's, a, it's actually pretty important knowing that models cannot call any heroic. And that's the thing. It's not yep. just strike. It's any heroic action. Yep. You're right. Be a part of the fight. All right. Good to know for the future. Um, can an invisible model declare heroic actions? Yes. However, as their allies cannot see the invisible model, the invisible model cannot call the likes of with me. Take aim or any action that would allow friendly models to join the heroic action. Invisible model may still declare heroic combat, but other friendly models may not move as part of the successful heroic combat. This is um, also another. This is also another significant change. Yeah, kind of a sealed door, kind of Sauron. Well, not Sauron, but a sealed door is an interesting one. There, I mean, there's a lots. Of, there's lots of situations where this comes up, like Gollum and the Goblin King. Um, uh, you know, Frodo when he's you know calling a heroic action that that used to be a thing where you'd go in and you'd move like a ring bearer and the ring bearer would call the heroic combat and somebody else and the guy who was fighting with would call the strike and then they'd kill the guy they were fighting move on and take out some other hero in the game um so yeah, that's this is actually pretty big when it comes to that well i guess for some for some instances it's less useful because Isildur and the Goblin King are fight infinity. So I guess what, what it changes now um, would be that uh, the Goblin King would now have to call the heroic combat instead of Golem. And Isildur would have to either fight with another hero or just say, you know what, you guys can just stay there. I'm going to go and waddle on by myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was reading this rule. I don't really understand this one at all. Uh, can a flying model cast its magical power as it's flying over models? Will it need to land in order to cast a magical power? The mo- model will need to land in order to cast a magical power, though they may still continue to move after casting a fable. So what, are they just hovering the model above something? Like, I don't. Yeah, so, th- so that was a People thing. People have done this. I've never yeah. heard of this before. Yeah, People so would go, I'm moving six inches. I'm going to be above this thing there. And then I'm going to move six inches back. Um, I think uh, my father and I used to play it like this until it was either FAQ'd or we like tried to do it at Articon and it got ruled against us. Um, yeah, it was then, common for that. So someone like, would just hold the model like, above like the models and just yeah, yeah. less less. No, they, they, they'd it move it either, and they'd be like, "I'm going to cast this as I'm as I move yeah. this model model over here. I'm casting uh, compel or I'm casting um, certain things." I think this was FAQ'd last edition, and apparently it was not left in the game. So now they had to mm-hmm. FAQ it for this edition as well. Yep. So the, the issue here, just so people understand what's going on, is that if you have a flying model, you can only cast spells from places on the board where you could actually balance the figure. So if you're, if you're like kind of flying over a battle line and you would be on top of you know a couple models you'd be in a place on top of a couple models where you want to cast a spell. You can't actually cast it from there. So if you're, I mean, if you're really sneaky and you're playing against like a ring wraith on a fell beast um, and you kind of spread out your models in kind of a no fly zone, it is sometimes possible to, to, you know, protect a critical figure from a spell by just preventing the ring wraith from being, being able to get close enough to cast that spell. In particular, like the six-inch spells, like the Shadow Lords, um, uh, uh, Black Dart, and the Undying's Blast Black Dart, things like that. Okay. 
Uh, if a supporting model is in range of a banner, but no other friendly models in the same fight are in range, does that fight benefit from the effects of a banner? Yes. I mean, yeah, I think we knew this, but yeah, I, think I guess they was, clarified it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do cavalry models gain any bonuses for charging when immobilized transfixed? No. Um, if a cavalry model is targeted by the Shroud of Shadows magical power, and then both rider and mount are subsequently separated, that turn with the mounts staying on the board, are both models still affected by the magical power? Yes. Okay. By um, the way, just to go back to that whole cavalry model um, not being uh, not getting their charge bonuses from being immobilized or transfixed, it seems like it would never happen. But it can be important in some situations, say after a heroic march, let's say you have a ring wraith on fell beast and you're compelling a cavalry model. Uh, you can't charge because you heroic march. So the ring wraith on fell beast has to compel the cavalry model into itself. So you're going from two attacks on the ring wraith on fell beast against uh, two if the cavalry model got their charge bonus when you compelled them into you compared to um, just one now because you no longer get the charge bonus. I have also seen uh, some pretty horrible stuff happen where a, where a monstrous mount of some sort has been compelled into a hero on horse and has there then knocked that hero on horse off their horse after they won the combat. So this is actually significant. Do you, do you think that, I know it says do cavalry mount, do you think they should apply to monstrous cavalry as well? I'm fairly sure those are, they technically count as cavalry. Monstrous models. cavalry are cavalry. Okay, so it okay, applies to both. That's fine. Um, is the howda of a Mumek a siege target or a battlefield target? A siege target. Ah, this is actually important. <laughs> um, at least it's important if you play Mumex. Um, This was, so back in the previous edition, the howda was specified to be a battlefield target which meant that if you hit it with a siege engine it it was destroyed immediately and everybody in the howda fell off and the mumak was or whatever uh, you know whatever war beast this was was effectively emasculated um in the current edition they deleted the reference to it being a battlefield target but did not replace it with anything so nobody knew whether it was a battlefield target or a siege target, um, which meant that you had you know, a huge debate whenever you hit somebody's howda on a, a Mumak with a siege weapon. Now it has been resolved. It's a siege target. That means if you hit this thing with a siege weapon, you'll only do one wound. And I think these things have like four or five wounds. So you, yeah, effectively, you're never going to destroy it with a siege weapon. I mean, I guess, yeah. The other thing is because it's a siege target, if you hit it with a siege weapon that has an area effect, um, it used to be if it was a battlefield target, you hit it, and then everybody who was standing on it took a uh, like a strength five hit. Now, because it's a siege target, uh, the area effect has no does not apply because you only get the area effect when you hit a battlefield target. So if you if you hit the howda, it's now basically kind of like a wasted shot. Okay. Uh, if a catapult shoots at and hits a war beast. Does it need to make an in-the-way roll for the howda? Yes, as the shot will be coming from above. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, that adds a little extra pr protection to the Great Beast of Gorgoroth from uh, catapult shots. Yep. Uh, other than that, the Mumak doesn't care. All right. right, because it's a siege target being protected by another siege target. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question. Uh, when Sheila uses her her she is always hungry special rule, does she gain the reroll for the remainder of the game or just till, until the end of the turn? Until the end of the turn. Boy, that would be neat if she could get it for the end she of the game. Definitely would. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is our Q&A. Um, thank you for tuning into this episode. FAQ. If you, FAQ. What? FAQ. Oh. <laughs> FAQ. Q &A, FAQ. They both have Q in it. Doesn't matter. And yeah. A. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in your defense, Tim, I mean, at least you're consistent because whenever we do a Q&A episode, you call it an FAQ episode. See, but, you know, they, uh, again, they both have Q&A. They both the same thing. There's only, you know. Um, thank you for tuning in, though. Uh, leave any lists you'd like to be reviewed in future episodes as well as anything you'd like for us to speak about. And let us know if you enjoyed the Q&A. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>